106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down Shining in him Welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim O. Greg Pappas on the board. SB Futures down 12. NASDAQ Futures down 84. Do we have Mr. Kevin? Uh, unless unless you want me to go by Robert L. Peters, but I think that was taken. By the way, your name was being burned up last night. A lot of your old pals were hanging around. Usually with an adjective in front of it? Uh, no, not really. Actually, dudes were uh, saying uh, decent things about that. They had uh, most of that heard. You were in the teaching profession now. They were asking me how you were doing. Uh, our buddy uh, Jim Doherty and his wife uh, Marty, uh, formerly Marty Went of the George Went family, had a uh, 70th birthday celebration in uh, uh, Millennium Park of all places. And the daughter and a couple of people she harangued uh, managed to set up an amazing picnic thing right off the grass field. I'd never been there before. It's a, uh, it's really nice. It was a terrific, boy, beautiful night and. Oh yeah, fun. you got a, you got yeah. a great night for it. Yep. There was a uh, she said I I planned a night where they had a band that wasn't bad but wouldn't get much of a crowd, <laughs> which, which is true. <laughs> they, they were pretty good, but there were there wasn't much of a crowd. And right. uh, good good but not good enough to uh, be in, to make things inconvenient. Uh, good for good but not popular. How's that? How does that sound? Uh, that uh, works for me. Uh, amazing security over there. All kinds of people doing the security. Of course, outside the park, there's no security, which is a little weird, but. Uh, <clears throat> but no, a lot of guys you would have uh, you would have remembered. I remember a couple of guys from the south side I played softball with, literally on a team forty years ago. I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> like, it was inter- <laughs> you know it was, it was fun. But uh, the uh, not, said, not some of the Mount Greenwood guys. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh nice. Yeah, they uh, you know some of those guys are traders, and uh, one of the guys uh, was really a good ball player, but he hurt his knee real young. Big guy. You, you, probably, you probably remember him. And Sunday he played for the Muffs, but then he, oh, great. he then he played on good teams during the week. And I played with him in a team in Oklahoma. And we were pretty good one year. Um, and that's how he ended up trading because one of the guys on the team became a big trader on the board of trade floor. A guy named Steve Lawrence was uh, used to work at Jewel. And then he decided uh, his brother-in-law got him down on the trading floor. He went in the bond pit, and within two years, he was probably the second biggest bond bond trader. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. So he had a he had a knack for it, is what you were saying. Well, there's a there's a huge difference. I mean, every pit, I, I mean, the people who've never even, other than trading places, you've never even seen a pit. There's there depending on where you are in each individual pit and what you're trading, 
<clears throat> it can be a totally different skill set. It was, uh, I mean, in the options pit in the OEX, before you had handheld computers and before there even was, they didn't even let the CNBC on the floor think it would give traders an advantage. I mean, really? And now traders want every advantage in the world. They want to see every order. <laughs> I mean, it's a whole different world <clears throat> and how, how the idea of having an open outcry didn't have to be open outcry, but an auction market where everybody got the same information at the same time, that has gone so far down the, down the drain now to where all these guys know exactly what's coming. They get out of the way. That's why you see a stock run up 30 bucks one day and run down the next because they, they get to see the order and move, and move their bid or offer. I mean, it's so insane. But anyway, the, uh, but in the, in the bond, bond pit, it was, there's a, basically one market. There, there's you know, 200 guys that are one bid at two. Where in the, in the OEX pit where I was, there's all different strikes. There's different months. And there, were, there were guys that liked to trade everything that the, the broker had. I was one of those guys. I stood next to two brokers, and I wanted, like, every order. And it was my job to keep track of what I was trading, even if I couldn't even count it up. We had to mentally keep track of it. If, like I said, before you had computers. And uh, if I didn't like an order, I would buy them, and I'd immediately sell them off somewhere else or sell something against them. But the uh, other people wanted to be in the pit and just be like, customers in their own pit. They weren't near anything near an order. When they saw things going up or down, they wanted to be able to make a move and buy something or sell something from the book or whatever. Some guys did the out of the money, some guys did the in the money, some of the guys did the out months. I mean, it's a whole different thing when there's when there's a hundred strikes up there. But on the bond pit, it's one bid at two, and it's how big you are, how strong you are, how big of how big of the bigger you were willing to trade, the closer you got to a broker and the more trades you got. And Stevie was a guy you did not push around. <laughs> Played football. He was like 38, uh, and he just got there, got the idea. He had a real sense of the of the pit, and when uh, you know when the tide was turning, and uh, was not was not afraid. And all, I don't I don't think he would have put it this way. Put him in my spot. I think he would have failed miserably. Put me in his spot. Probably the same thing. It just it's kind of finding a home in a in a in a. In a in, I mean, they're not all. They're not just amorphous blobs. You know, some some are, some aren't. It's a uh, you know, we really would take a book to explain every different pit, every different personality. Uh, you know, even every equity crowd was different. Some people fought all the time. Some people got along. Some equities, you could trade the stock real well because the specialist in New York was not a crook. Others, every time you went to buy something, the guy bought it ahead of you. I mean, everything was. You know, there's a story really to be written for every book. It was it what in Kung Fu when he said when he when he sh- was was showing all the different styles. He said, well, how long does it take a style? And he goes, each style takes a lifetime. Well, it took you a while to get the personality of every pit. It was, it was an interesting world. And, you know, at some point, nobody's even going to remember any of it. But uh, anyway, long, long story short, don't, long well, story you're, short, you're, don't tell. Well, quest- the question I have out of all that is uh, amorphous blobs. Would that be, uh, what, rock band, softball team? What, what, what would you- <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a good one, yeah. The, uh, hey, so speaking of, uh, now Greg can mention some of the guys that we hang around in. With I sent out this article yesterday. This is the new world, it, with the, the the new Venmo world and communication world. Evidently, this guy goes out. This is this is a CNBC story. Let's see who the hell wrote it? Uh, the uh, oh, t- two ladies, of course, Annie Nova and Anne Teresa Sola. Evidently, the the changing gender norms. These this guy and this lady somehow come get together on one of these sites. And they get a, a date, you know, like dinner or lunch or whatever it was. I mean, well, they're drinks. So they have some drinks, and evidently, you know, have, have a nice time. They head off and uh, apart. And the guy the next day says, well, you know, uh, I'd like to see you again. And she says, well, 
I don't really want to see you again. It was nice, but you know, once is enough kind of thing. <laughs> well, it turns yeah. out turns out the guy the guy paid for the drinks. So then he sends her a text saying he wants half the money back for her drinks, and here's his Venmo. <laughs> I, so I'm sitting there. Of course, I send it out to all our guys is, is to guess who would be the most likely in our group to do that. And I'm sure it would come back the same name. So then, of course, I send it to the ladies right on the show. And the ladies on the show are not. They're uh, fairly aggressive ladies. So I get it back from one of them. You can probably guess who. God, is she lucky. She not only found out he was boring, but he was cheap. <laughs> Well, yeah, um, <laughs> and and he's kind of a he's either an idiot or or he's just a a vindictive guy, and that's that's not healthy in a relationship no, either. No. <laughs> but um, you know, in this world because, of Venmo, because you're going to win some and you're going to lose some, and if you have to get the revenge every time you lose one, you're gonna you're gonna have a problem. Well, we've had a couple of producers that uh, maybe don't have another job, shall we say, and uh, you know they meet somebody for the first four months they both they go Dutch basically I mean, it's, it happens now I mean it's not like it's, it's it is kind of a little different world in that regard Kevin I mean in our day even if you bought a pitcher of coke the guy usually paid right mm-hmm. he uh gotta remember <laughs> going out after the, after your date when you were 17 head off somewhere for a pitcher of coke at a pizza you know about a long time ago but anywho what a uh, <clears throat> interesting story this morning this Evergrande boy talk about flipping the page Market, we're not talking about the market. The market has absolutely sucked, and it looks like it's not doing so hot today either. The SP futures down 11, NASDAQ down 75. But every afternoon, we're just draining the last three days, I mean, which is really a bad sign. There's no there's no uh, mutual fund buying on the close whatsoever. I mean, it's it's bad. And uh, I mean, it's not horrible, horrible, but it's some stocks are down. I mean, Microsoft's uh, 314. Let me see where the hell it got to. It was uh, 360, 355. I mean, they're. Apple's 172, it got to 196. I mean, they're down a reasonable amount. Uh, and then doesn't look like it's, you know, stopping here. Uh, Apple's down another dollar twenty-eight this morning. Uh, and it's Evergrande just uh, declared uh, these guys, now they went, well, they, went, they went sort of belly up in 2021, but they just they just filed for Chapter 15 here. You ever heard of Chapter 15? Uh, I have. I, I think once a long time ago, I heard somebody filed for Chapter Fifteen, but that's about it. You know, if it's not, uh, so so what? What does Chapter Fifteen do for them? Well, it, it's a, a special bankruptcy. Well, here I'll just read it. Chapter Fifteen also helps protect the value of the debtor's assets and attempts to assist financially troubled companies uh, with more streamlined laws in place for handling international. This is for people that have already filed, like in other countries. Okay, so it's it, yeah. it's an international uh, um, setup, and sounds like a variance on uh, Chapter Eleven. Yeah, it says uh, with more streamlined laws in place for handling international bankruptcy matters, Chapter Fifteen can help establish a better legal foundation for international trade, investment, and business. Now, if you believe that, I don't know about that, but uh, anyway, so it's a it's a splinter off. They've already filed in Hong Kong and Europe, I think. So it's a way to keep sort of it all together, so I don't know who, who gets the lead in that. Uh, I'm guessing Hong Kong, but I don't know that. Uh, it, it's to provide effective mechanism for dealing with insolvency cases involving debtors, assets, claimants, other parties of interest involving more than one country. So there you go. Alright. So these guys have issues, and the other guys, was it con- uh, country, uh, country Garden? They're bigger, and they're having problems this week, so I mean, this is this is becoming a, a problem that's not going away. I mean, I don't see how it could go away. 
and it, it's it's reflective in the markets here to some extent, but also it's been a, it's a reflective in. I'll see what they are this morning. And we've been talking for how long that Bitcoin stuck at thirty thousand or twenty nine five? Well, not anymore. It's twenty six four fifty. So it's it's had a ten percent more than ten percent move uh, in uh, you know in like one day. So I don't know if there's liquidations in Bitcoin because of this or not. I mean, you never really know how this how the dominoes fall. But uh, I don't I don't think you, this is one of those deals we're going to wake up tomorrow and find out China's okay. I mean, they're, they're banging the drum for the government to do something. Do what? Print a bunch of money and send it to these people? I guess I guess that will eventually be the somewhat of a solution, but uh, um, you know who knows. But that's uh, you know, it's really hard to keep all this stuff together. And these problems, it's not like like this one, Kevin. This is what we've been talking about all week. Um, and I thought Pearl had the best <laughs> best comment about the whole thing. But these guys. Now, what if, I mean, if you're a, I won't say a fundamental trader, but if you're a trader off the news, these guys defaulted in 2021. That's a while ago. And now we're just starting to get to bankruptcy and people in trouble and money and stuff. I, I mean, this stuff is, it's right there for the taking, or not the taking, or for the reading, and nothing happens. And then all of a sudden you have, I still have the story of the guy who, uh, when, I don't know if everyone knows this, but uh, when you see... Uh, what's it? Uh, the traders on TV, and CNBC from four to five o'clock. That was actually Dr. J's show, John and Jerry's show, and I was I was on it. We had we had a show just like that here in Chicago, patterned after uh, sports writers on TV, because this, the sport, the first sports writers on TV show was not sports writers on TV. It was a, a group of guys from the trading pit that when cable first started. All they were doing was looking for content. So it was on a Wednesday or Thursday night. These guys would go out to some studio in Arlington Park or somewhere. They all live northwest. And they would sit there, and it was traders on TV talking about sports. And I'll tell you what, most of the guys that traded for not most, but a lot of them, knew more about sports than anything. They were absolute sports mavens on there, Kevin. They're all they're like you. And well, yeah, because what do you, you know, so many traders, what's, you know, what's the business about? It's competitive. Yeah. And so they like competition in lots of different ways. Well, plus you had, if you, it, if you, it, it, it does make, it fits the profile. Well, also you're, when you have a six hour trading day, it's literally 9% boredom, 10% panic. I mean, it's very rare that for every two minutes for a day, you make a trade. You either make 10 of them in one minute or, or you don't make one for an hour. It's, it's, it's. I'm an odd world, but all you did was talk sports. And guys would bring in books, and they bring in they knew every stat. I mean, it, was, it was like they were encyclopedias. So anyway, these four guys go on uh, traders on TV, and it got to the point where they'd go out and do the show for an hour and go out and drink it for four, and the wives are all pissed off. Anyway, somebody sees it and says, "Boy, this would even be better if they were sports writers, people who knew who the guys were, instead of just you know schmucks I knew from the trading floor." And that's when they got was it Ben Bentley and Carmichael and Holzman mm-hmm. and uh, Rick Tallender. That became a decent show. So Jan, yeah, Bill Joss was the yeah. other one that was on there. Yeah. So Jan says, "Well, you know, we should do this with traders on TV." And we got on like, I don't know, we were on a state station in Rockford, and we were supposed to get on Channel Twenty Six. We never quite made it. Uh, so that's when Don Radigan saw this and said, "My God, I'm going to I'm going to take this to New York." And he sold it to CNBC. And Jan was one of the first guys on uh, was it Traders on TV, and it's still on from four to five Central Time every afternoon. That was essentially. Our show, <laughs> or John's show, and I wasn't mine. I was just a guest. But anyway, one of the guys on the show, if you talk about timing, was this Armenian dude 
guy was the family had did nothing but condos and he had a lot of dough Boy, he, he built a, a four-story gorgeous condo building on the north side sold the other three were his were for free he got his for free <laughs> it was a nice do and uh but then he decided he's become a trader big good-looking guy and he had this gorgeous wife uh and he started trading and he, and he found out he thought he found something out about uh tenant health care that was something wrong about the company i don't know i don't know if it was an accounting problem or what it was i never really paid that much attention because you never really know what people find out and, and he's short to stuff and he bets the ranch he was managing the family's money uh he and he and he and i think he had that in the game and all of a sudden the stock's like 40 and 45 and 48 and 49 and he's short and short and short and finally gets like 65 and i think he's out i don't, I don't know if he got out with any money or whatever because the show kind of ended there but I really liked the guy, and I, I know he just just got wounded mortally, and he, and he took the family money with him, I think. Sure enough, it couldn't have been two months later that some big scandal comes out about tenant health care. The stock goes down to like six, but he's out. But he's out. Yeah. So it's, it's not just, you know, you, you can't look at, I mean, if all of a sudden somebody dropped something on my desk here and said, uh, gee, Chief, you don't know it, but this uh, IBM is, uh, man, oh, man, uh, you know, whatever, uh, the chairman has been spending company money by going to Taiwan where, with little boys or something, which, of course, obviously isn't happening. And if, if you get this information, it's one thing to get it and realize it's, it's a game-changer money-wise for stock. It's quite another to be so arrogant to think, as soon as I get it, all i got to do is short IBM today, and by tomorrow I'll be rich. I mean, it could be never. It could be two years from now. You could be dead by that. <laughs> it's, you know, it's you never – one of the most fascinating things about the business – is that you never really know when something that appears to be obvious will become obvious to enough people to make a difference. First of all, you got to be right. You have to be right that you're right that it is obvious. Then you got to wait till everybody figures it out. But I mean, what if you had shorted Chinese stuff in 2021? Because this, these guys are going belly up. Here it is, 2023, and finally, hey, look at these Chinese guys are in trouble. I mean, it's been two years, Kevin. Well, yeah, because it, to some extent, it takes that time to dawn on people, and uh, to some extent, it is you know when, when does news actually become news is a good question. So you know it just varies from uh, uh, from story to story. Some things break and they're hot news today, and some things break and it takes a year for it to unfold before people really figure out the significance. How much you want to bet that because of the of course, this would be a great bet because we never prove it. That because of the country garden episode this week, a thousand guys were like me and said, "Hey, wait a minute, what was the name of the first firm that went under like a while ago?" Then dug up this guy's stuff and said, "Holy crap, these guys are just going through bankruptcy. This is still happening." And now they're they're more concerned because the first one made them remember the other one, or the second one made them remember the first one. Well, yeah, I'm sure that that would be. Um that would make sense, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean it did for you, me. When, you, when yeah. you think about it, it make it makes sense because I didn't worry about it, all of them individually, but when it starts to look like a collective issue, then it it is an issue. You know, then then things that you know you kind of ignored before, now you start st- seeing patterns and things and say, "Ooh, <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> this this is something." Well, you, you know, because it's it's if you watch. You're watching people that don't trade. I mean, the commentators on CNBC. And I know I'm hard on them, but they act like they know what they're talking about. And I got news for you: nobody knows what they're talking about. It comes the market. I mean, I've done this my whole life, and when I say stuff, it's 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 things I see, something I. But I, I rarely say, "Oh man, because of this, you got to like sell a stack or something." 
because I know <laughs> that that's a fool's game. I mean, just because you see something, but it's it is it is stunning that if you don't hear it ten times a day, you hear it twice or two hundred, where somebody will say, "Wow, you know, uh, pick a stock X Y Z." Man, it looks like their revenues are down year over year over year over year. And then the uh, one of the Dumbos will say, "Well, yeah, but that that can't be a problem because the stock's up." Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! It is a problem. The stock is up maybe because they think next year will be better. Next year after that will be even better. Could be trading ahead. That's what market's supposed to do. But it, it could be so the other stuff is going up, this is going up, and nobody even paid attention to the revenues until one day they will. And you, you never really – that's the part of it. You, you can't be definitive because you never really know what other people are thinking, what other people are doing, because there's a gazillion trades every day, right? And you, the idea that you know what everybody's thinking or that the – the smart money's buying and the dumb money's selling or something like that is like, wait a minute. <laughs> and how many, how many, I used to have people <clears throat> come to seminars. These are bright people that had owned stocks and stuff their whole life. And I'd ask a s- simple question. And it's not, I'm not denigrating the population. I'm just saying, I'd say, well, um, <clears throat> you, uh, you like XYZ. Well, yeah, I bought something. I, I did my homework. I got three newsletter guys telling me it's going up. And um, I said, well, who'd you buy it from? Well, what do you mean? So well, who'd you buy it from? Well, I just bought it. I bought it through Schwab or someplace. Um, I said, no, who did you buy it from? Well, I have no idea what you're talking about. I said, well, you bought it from somebody. What do you mean somebody? I said, well, there's, there's a person or an institution or somebody on the other side of that trade. If, if you go through PTI and you buy 200 shares of IBM, whatever it is, New York Stock Exchange or someplace, somebody, Kevin O'Neill, selling, selling you the 200 shares of IBM. And the guy's like, well, so? I said, because... What makes you think on that trade you're smarter than you got it sold to you? What do you mean? I got my, my newsletter stuff here. I got did my. I said, what makes you think he doesn't have a newsletter guy and doesn't have twice as much homework as you did? What makes you think he's not the smart guy today? Because all you have to do is be just trade in a trading pit and you realize the people you're trading against probably have more information than you. Because if, if five guys come in and are buying, you don't know what they're reading, but you know the thing's going up. You have no idea why, but it's going up because, it, guess what, everybody's buying or selling. And the, the guy looked at me like I had four heads. I, I don't get what you're talking about. I said, every time you make a buy, somebody somewhere is selling it to you for or the, a reason. Now, maybe he's liquidating, maybe he's got too much, maybe he made so much. Who knows? But the fact is, what makes you think out of this transaction you're the smart one? I, I, people would just look at me like, I, they said, why doesn't this guy get out of here? What's he even talking about? But you, 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 sometimes you miss the basics on this stuff, Kevin, right? Well, but aren't we, I mean, what we're really describing, you know, you're, you're talking market behavior, but you're really talking about human nature. Yes. And uh, so, you know, this is, uh, you know, there, there are, you know, so many different aspects of human nature. Yeah, not thinking the process all the way through, not understanding the process all the way through. Um, you know, things. How, how many things in our lives just seem like a black box? You turn on your computer, right? <laughs> you don't. Yeah. You don't think about you know everything that's going on inside there, um, and so it, it's not unusual for people to not know and yet feel like they have a lot of expertise anyway, because damn, I know how to use my computer. I know everything about what I do on that. Oh yeah, uh, on that device. So it, you know, it, it, it's. There, there is a, a, a thought process and a mindset, and I think we need to allow for that as we evaluate investments, as we evaluate, you know, the markets in general, the economy in general, 
um, and all kinds of other phenomena. And it, it's just, you know, I, I want to take your specific and say we should look at it in the general because if we start thinking about it that way, then we can start making, you know, we, uh, you know, you, me, all of our listeners, we can start making the appropriate allowances for that or start challenging ourselves a little bit better instead of just going through uh, life. Um, uh, what, what was it? Uh, um, fat, dumb, and stupid yeah. from Animal House. Yeah. <laughs> fat, dumb, and stupid is no way to go through life. It, well, <laughs> it, it can be. <laughs> well, I mean, because you look at like, like yesterday, we had the Walmart earnings. Because we got a dash here for break, but uh, we had the Walmart earnings. The stock was up. Now, other than Home Depot and, and uh, what the hell is the other one? Costco, not Costco, Home Depot and uh, Target, they actually had revenue growth year over year. And I said, you know, boy, these guys look like they're doing pretty good, especially on the. Uh, Electronic trading, whatever you want to call it, online trading. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I think they're doing ex- exceptionally well there. That's one man's opinion. Doesn't mean they run out and bought up. But then I said, I'm you know, telling you all along, they're yeah. making a run on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. And well, you have. And I said, but that now we're ta- we're we're left with a retailer, a huge retailer that really can't double unless we double the money supply again. It'll, they'll double double in terms of uh, nominal. So they really can't. And they're trading for twenty-five times earnings, which is really steep for a retailer especially of that size and you have to ask yourself they're making you know six bucks a, a year when are they going to make 12 and send you a check for four uh and the answer is like probably not anytime in anybody soon and i said that doesn't mean that you should go out and sell it uh 25 but if the stock was trading 100 in normal times you probably wouldn't think it was ridiculously undervalued. That would be, you know, of seventeen times earnings or something for, for a especially with interest rates creeping up. But so to, you never, you never sort of really know. Well, the stock immediately turns around and runs down. But what I said, and all of a sudden yesterday, the the math that I did, twenty five PE. Now did everybody just wake up one day and say, even though these numbers are good, boy, this thing's pretty high? I doubt it. Well, but yeah. are people, you know, are we seeing irrational? Uh, um, Exuberance and people are giving it the old, you know, pump the brakes cliche. Um, that that could be part of it, um, but the other part of it is that uh, you know you have to ask yourself: Is Walmart countercyclical to the economy? And and I would say that there is a, a pretty fair amount of that in what Walmart does. Yep. So now it is you know your your opinions of Walmart then become tied to where you think the economy was going because if you think we're going to have a recession and it's going to be uh, substantial then you're going to start looking at Walmart and saying a whole lot of people are going to start shopping there that wouldn't have shopped there otherwise well the only thing I mean there's only a couple things of all of my experience there's only a couple things that, that I think people need to take to the bank um, and, and, and one of them is well, one of them is don't remember what you ever paid for something. It doesn't make any difference, but that's that's we won't go into that. Yeah, as a finance it, professor used yeah. to say in, in my graduate uh, class, sunk costs are fill in the blank. Sunk. Sunk, yep, <laughs> they're gone. They are no longer relevant to your decision-making. And But I, I mean, even with the, the idea that you love the company has to be totally separate from you love the price at where it's trading. Totally, uh, totally different. I love your 57 Corvette. No, I don't like it for a hundred grand. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I love it. I'll look at it. You know, I'll kiss it, but I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> right? I mean, and, and uh, you know, the, the idea. Of, um, so you have to ask yourself. I mean, in the last couple of months, especially these, the, you know, the high tech stocks, there was no price 
and they were going to go to the sky. But what you need to look for here now is if we go into some kind of a sell-off, which we look like we are, it's like day four, at some point, let, let's say, I mean, I'm glad, let's, let's not hope it happens, let's say Walmart goes from 155 to 55 which I don't see in the cards. But at some point, you're going to say, I don't care what the rest of the world thinks, this thing's a buy here. I mean, even if it may go to 50, I'll, I'll, I'll take it at 55 or 80 or 100, pick a number, or maybe it's 140, I don't know. Maybe it's 155 where it is now. I'm going to say, at this point, I'll take the earnings, I'll take the dividend, and I'll write it out. And I don't care if everybody else has margin calls and shoves it down another 10%, I don't care. I'm... I'm, I wish I'd have got the bottom, but I guess what? I'm never going to get the bottom or the top, so i just going to make... But the question is, if we start to do this, and this catches fire, and we actually get some kind of a sell-off, where's the number at which hopefully you're protected and don't lose all the money on the way down? Uh, my guys are. Uh, shameless plug. But hopefully, at some point, do you want to get in? You know, so because the market will push because of all kinds of stuff, either rational exuberance or margin calls or something... It tends to go too high or too low, right? So if, if you're rational, at some point you're going to say, I love it here, then give it another couple of days because probably it'll go a little lower. Or on the way up, you might say, I really need to sell it here. Maybe you want to sell it tomorrow. Cause that's the way my view of the market is. But to try and try and pick prices and actually do that stuff, it's pretty tough. SP Futures down on 20, ouch. NASDAQ Futures down 115. We were up last night. I thought we actually might have a pause to the upside today, at least a little dead cat bounce, but we're not getting that at all. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. 
Blowing up by Stacy Jackson somehow. Greg Pappas on the board. China's threatening countermeasures if, uh, because of our tech curbs. So we got all this stuff in the background. SP futures down 2250. I haven't seen an uptick since I got in here. NASDAQ futures down 124. Dow futures down 87. Individual stocks, I got Salesforce down 250. Uh, I got Caterpillar down a buck 60. MGen down 195. Nothing crazy. Uh, Nvidia down 658. It's uh, taking a little bloom off that thing. All the all the big guys are down. Amazon's down 214. Apple's down 198. Uh, Tesla's down another 540. Tesla's been getting whacked. Uh, we're in Asia. Not a pretty picture. Nikkei down 175.6%. That's that's the good one. Hang Seng down 375. That's over 2%. Under 18,000. 17,950. Um, officially in bearer market territory. Shanghai down 31, 1%. They've been kind of immune to this, but they're down today. Uh, Europe, we've got the DAX down 136. It's 0.9%. FTSE down 86.9%. around down 68. Uh, it's a full 1%. Uh, yesterday, the U.S., not, again, not a pretty picture. Down on 290. S&P down 33. NASDAQ down 157. So NASDAQ was over 1%. The other guys were like 08 Bonds uh, down eight basis points, 4.22. Bund down nine basis points, 2.60. Uh, Japan unchanged, 0.63. We've got oil uh, heading toward 80 bucks from the upside, down 26 cents, 80.13. Brent down 33 cents, 83.79. <coughs> Natural gas down four cents, 2.58. Arbob down two cents, 2.79. We've got gold up 7.70, 19.22 at a little bit of a bounce. Silver up nine cents to 22.81. Copper down a penny, 367. Uh, U.S. Well, let's do the crypto. That's a big story, actually. A uh, Bitcoin's down 1,500 to 26,388. It was over 29,000. I'm going to say Wednesday morning, Greg. It was a uh, 29.5 or something. And the U.S. dollar is uh, up just a little bit. The euro's down to 108. It was 109 yesterday. It was sunk during the day after the show. And the pound's still hanging in there at 127. So we have for us traffic, weather, sports. A lot of stuff there. Not much sports. Everybody's off. Yeah. Morning, everyone. 639 right now. Partly cloudy in Chicago. Feels like uh, 58, probably about 79 today and sunny. Today in Phoenix, 92 right now, about 108 high today. Um, sports, we got Diamondbacks beating the Padres 3-1 to in San Diego. Cubs were off yesterday. They played the Royals today at 120 at Wrigley. White Sox play in Colorado tonight at 740. Traffic, we got Montrose to the interchange, 17 minutes. Eden's uh, Lake Cook to the interchange, 30 minutes. Eisenhower Wolf to the interchange, 16 minutes. Dan Ryan, 95th to the interchange, 13 minutes. Stevenson, 294 to Dan Ryan, 18. And Bishop Ford in uh, I-80 to the interchange is 27 minutes. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. So, uh, Kevin, just as a way, my, even my connected guys that ran into last night, connected, can't come close to a parking pass or tickets for the Ohio State game. The Irish. <laughs> I could care less about a ticket, but I'd sure like to score a parking pass. But I think that's a fool's errand. That you know, um, we're gonna we're gonna have some folks over here, Tom, as you know, and yeah. uh, um, it's a night game. Who the hell wants to just sit in a parking lot all day? I, yeah. I mean, I I I go to you know tailgate with people because you know every once in a while you know somebody who has a, a really great spread and they throw put together a really good party, but for the most part, it's just standing around talking to people drinking beer um which is ju- a, a fine thing to do but aren't there better places to do that like well, my back porch <laughs> you know right up until game time um and uh so you know i'm i'm just yeah you know, parking pass fine but uh um 
but honestly, it's not, you know, it, it, I don't even think that's a big deal. And, and I don't know what they're charging for them. You can probably go on, oh, but on online and find them for several hundred dollars. Without a doubt. I mean, it's, if you could find them. But, well, for me, it's different. I, I plunk one. I, try, I only want to get one in the really good lot where I know those the people we have that still are friends that have a spread. So I get to see everybody, and as soon as they walk to the stadium, I leave. I don't have no intention good, of going yeah, to the game. Yeah, I mean, I do that all the time. Where you know, If I know people are going to be in town, I'll go over, I'll park a little off campus, walk over... Uh, um, you know, visit with people, and then it gets to be about forty-five minutes before game time. I tell everybody goodbye, and I'm in my recliner by the time it's kickoff. Yep, and sleep by second half if they're losing. Uh, well, a little a short little nap at halftime. <laughs> you hey, uh, we've been talking a little hey, bit before about, before we get yeah. away from it. You know, uh, Cubs did pick up another half game, so they're uh, down two and and down one in the loss column, which and and you know, kind of clinging to that last uh, playoff spot, but. Uh, you know, we we met. Um, Greg mentioned the Rockies and the uh, um, and the uh, Diamondbacks, and of course we know the Diamondbacks have kind of fallen off the ledge. Or excuse me, it wasn't the Rockies and the Diamondbacks? It was the Padres and the right. Diamondbacks. The Padres spent a ton of money, and their team sucks. Oh yeah, they said they spent a fortune. Um, and uh, uh, and the uh, um, the same thing. The uh, um, the uh, Angels really threw down at the trade deadline, and they have done nothing but lose since then. Team to watch out for if the trade deadline is Texas, I think. Yeah, and Texas is where Milwaukee goes next. The, the Cubs get Kansas City, so if they can go take that series from Kansas City. Uh, the White and, Sox are uh, only 18 and a half games back. Yeah, White yeah, Sox are. So they're, yeah, just <laughs> one rally away. Um, they, could, they could win out and still lose. I, I think that's possible. Yeah, I'd have to do the math on that. But yeah, what you know, uh, if they just wanted to get to 500, how good a baseball? They'd probably have to play 700 baseball the rest of the way. And so now you can look at the White Sox and say, are they capable of that? Or maybe it's 750. I don't know. I'd have to do the math. Um, but Tampa Bay's um, five and a half it, in front. So Tampa Bay's yeah. five, five. Tampa Bay's got a good team. Um, so yeah, Tampa's got a good team. So as but as as you look at it, um, you know it is it is conceivable that the Cubs could be in first place by the end of the weekend. It, well, it's, it's if they don't. That's, normally, that's not a preposterous thing. The only issue with that is they they play to their competition. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they managed to oink one against Kansas City. Well, yeah, and and you can win the series, but lose a game that you walk away thinking you could you could have and should have won. Well, the last they, road you know, trip they beat they they get paid too. They have some people who yeah. are pretty good. Uh, last road trip they came out of it okay. I, what did I tell you before they went? You know, go go out go to New York and Toronto, come back five hundred on the road trip, and you did okay. Except that's for the exactly fact that you, what they did. Except for the fact that if you beat the good team, you wonder how you lost two out of three and almost three out of three to the bad team. Because they have some injuries on the pitching staff, and they um, um, and so you get a couple of bad pitch games in a yeah. row, and that's what's going to happen. So you know, and now for years, I, I will say this for years about the White Sox, they couldn't beat Kansas City when Kansas City was bad. They couldn't yeah. beat them when they were good. And there were so many years when I said, if the Sox don't win their division, it's going to be a hundred percent because they could not beat the Royals. Uh, so yeah, that's that's part of the equation as well. It is possible to just disappoint against the uh, well, we, against we, the bad teams, but really the schedule is set up for uh, uh, for the Cubs' favor for a little while. Well, it used, it used to be that if, uh, well, before they changed the, the schedule being more balanced, one year the Cubs were, uh, I don't know what they, they had a decent team, but somehow they had trouble with the Pirates. Well, the next year, didn't they go, 
Didn't they go like you played every team in your division like seventeen times? Didn't they? Didn't they go like fifteen and two or sixteen and one against the Pirates? Yeah, they did. I mean, yeah, that, that was that was the whole reason why they won. <laughs> was was were were bombing on the Pirates for God's sake? But you know, it's funny, Kevin. You, I mean, you and I are obviously all the guys that all I did last night was talk softball with all these guys that I played with, all teams we ran, and it's 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 stunning to me that if, if I mean softball is such an I mean it's it's in a lot of ways. It's more baseball than baseball because it's not dominated by the pitching. So your fundamentals really have to be better because you're going to make relays every 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 inning instead of every week, you know that type of thing. So your fundamentals are way more important in a lot of ways because everybody always hits the ball. I mean, unless you're a real schlump. Uh, unless you're on the muffaletas. <laughs> yeah, unless you're on the muffaletas. <laughs> but the uh, it's this whole. I don't know if it's the pitch clock or or the combination of the pitch clock and the other. I mean, I, as you know, I've maintained. I'm going to through this story again. The, the the reason why the Cubs basically sucked for a hundred years is they totally misrepresent what their team needs to be in that stadium. It looks small, so it, it, they should get a bunch of thumpers. And in fact, for most of the year, it's a speed and defense stadium. And the years that they somehow stumbled into being fast and having good defense, they've done pretty well. But but it's till to this day they don't really recognize that. But I I tell you what. Oh, I think they do now. Maybe they do now. Look at the makeup of that team. Yeah, maybe they do now. But you look at after, after these rule changes, and really kind of before, but after these rule changes, a balanced, fast, good defense team seems to be carrying the day over the uh, huge-priced five or six superstars that you count on to take you all the way from start to finish. It, well, it and, and, and it's the it's the three true outcomes mindset. Um, that being, you're you're, you're going to hit a home run, you're going to strike out, you're going to walk, um, and that everything else then becomes has a, a factor of luck in it. So that that whole mindset was that you know you wanted you wanted home runs and you were willing to give up home runs, or you were willing to give up a lot for home runs. I never bought it. I never agreed with that because I think being on base. Um, and uh, and running pitch counts and things like that is really important as well, but that that became very much a philosophy for a lot of people, and and to some extent it made sense when you were looking at all of the different kinds of shifts that people were doing, because if you could not change your batting style to uh, to beat the shift, uh, if you if you didn't have that capability, then they were going to take away all kinds of hits from you. So you might as well worry about your launch point. But now. Um, when you know when you can you can make contact and the ball can get through, uh, I, I think you're finding that uh, a lot of teams are more successful. And then you look at a team like the Cardinals, who should be more successful. Now, their pitching hasn't been very good, but they're kind of built for the old rules too. And I I think that's uh, I think that's biting them in the butt. Well, they let the whole pitching staff blame it on the catcher. Well, they they could that could be the case, and 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 there may be. Not that the cat, not that uh, Contreras was to blame, but uh, but that when you have Yadi or Molina, your pitching staff's going to look better. Well, yeah, you know, now now you're talking. You know, we had the legendary catcher, so you know anything anything else. This is always you know who wants to replace a legend, right? Because whatever you do is never going to be good enough. Well, in a lot of ways, Contreras is a better ball player than Molina ever wanted to be. I mean, in hitting and running and everything else. But yeah, he was there forever, and everybody knew him, and he had a. Uh, <clears throat> which we say an exalted spot on the team, so pitchers never gave him any crap, you know. So it was it was an unusual situation, you know. He was like a Yogi Berra for God's sake. Uh, but anyway, but, hey, uh, 
Interesting, um, just in a piece of the news last night, because we're trying to figure out which way these markets are going, and we still can't seem to get out of its own way. I, the idea that we keep pulling out the rug out of it every afternoon, Kevin, has got me very nervous about the market. Now, that could change this afternoon, and we could rally, but hopefully it would. But um, we've even, uh, you know, we normally sell calls, and we we're, don't want to be selling calls on here thinking we're going to get a rally, and uh, I don't see it. Anyway, last night, I went, like I said, I went to Millennium Park. Uh, the place is beautiful. I've never been there before. It is secure, to, secure like you've never seen. Uh, all the security people, one of them's nicer than the next, polite, well-dressed. I mean, they, they are unobtrusive. If you need help, they're willing to help. Uh, it's, it's really a nice thing, except in your mind, like, do we really need 100 security people here? I mean, it, what, what does it say about our society? Plus, you know, what does it say about the minute you get out of the place? <laughs> so sure enough, I get home and I sort of news in, and there's a, a, a big issue about a police chase. I don't know if you heard this, but now this is this is going viral here in Chicago. That it, there's four guys, you know, in a car driving around mischief, and they do a couple of robberies. Well, evidently, the police like observe a robbery, and they start chasing these guys. And all you can hear was that suspects have long rifles, have long guns. I mean, they're armed to the teeth. So they get instead of you know massive amount of manpower, which they maybe don't have. You know, I I don't know. It's they. They decide to call off the chase, okay? Because now yeah, I, 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 did, I did see this story. Yeah, no, yeah I mean, it's, I don't, a couple, I don't, it's a couple days old. Yeah, but yes, well, the, but last night, evidently, they got all the nine one one or the, the police tapes. So that's why it became viral again because they got all the tapes between the the police people and the whatever the dispatchers. But the idea is they they not only called off the pursuit, which if it was getting dangerous, I get, but they evidently they called off. The whole thing, the chase, and the guys went and robbed two more people after they knew the cops weren't chasing them anymore, or something along those lines. Yeah, they probably had radios too. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, what, what, how do you? I, I get the part where if you're racing down Western Avenue 100 miles an hour, you might want to stop that, but the idea that you don't mobilize everybody within two miles around there, so whenever you see the car again, you get them. I don't know. I don't know. How do you call that off? You say, okay, so, well, Tom, Tom, what kind of nerve does it take then to say, I'm not going to protect my citizens? And by the way, my citizens can't have weapons to protect themselves either. Right, yeah. Well, I, I get the part where when a chase becomes that bizarre, you're endangering more people than you're... I mean, you don't want to catch the guys that have four more people dead. I, I, I get that. There needs to be a judgment call there. But to say just let them go. I mean, if you're on the... If you're on the... You know, the... I-80 heading toward Indiana we're going to stop the 100 mile chase but you better make damn sure that down the road 3 miles there's, there's a roadblock or something I mean you don't, you don't just let them go or, or are we just going to follow them until their ultimate destination you know that seems pretty simple we have all this all this machinery all these computers you would think that you could follow somebody down the Dan Ryan with the 9 zillion cameras they have without chasing them at all you would think yeah drones yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, this is, uh, you know, uh, how much how much money do we spend on technology that we okay? We're now we're not going to use it. Okay, yeah. that that's a good thought, isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, the idea that you just let them go and then they had the nerve to go rob two more. It shows you what they think of the police force. Oh, they're not chasing us to go rob two more people. We're off. We're okay. Now, I understand how a guy... Yeah, a, and now all those people who a few years ago were saying defund the police, say, well, we really didn't mean, like, defund them. 
Well, but I understand that if, if you... And, and it, part of it's the funding, Tom, but a lot of it is the support. So from the uh, police officer standpoint, um, you know, if they're not going to support me anyway, well, what the hell? What should, you know, well, what should I just do? Because now, you I, have... I would say you shouldn't keep the job, but, you know... Just because to pension, 10 people run out there and say defund the police, the simple fact is 99% of the population want to be protected. Oh, come on. The big, the, you, can't run, you can't drive your, your policy by the few big mouths. But I also will, will say, I mean, I was thinking about it on the way in today because obviously with so many policemen in the family, there needs to be almost like every station or every district needs to have a couple of, of cars that are are equipped to to deal with these guys. Now, I I wouldn't want my son and daughter as a policeman, police people in a squad car, with whatever they what's the standard gun now a Glock. I don't want them going up against four guys with long rifles. There needs to be coordination that says, okay, these guys are incredibly dangerous. Who's going to be the front people on this? It's not the person out of the academy last week alone in the squad car. Kevin, I mean, I, I, there's no way that can happen. Well, yeah, but, you know, let's go back to what we were discussing earlier about thinking it through. Yeah. Do, you know, is, is there nobody who, you know, does any kind of risk assessment? I mean, this is, you know, this is one of the, you know, most important business skills that you can have. It's one of the most important anything skills you can have is to, you know, think about what your risks might be. Hell, it's a parenting skill. This is conversations I used to have with my kids all the time. What could happen... Because if you have to make it up in real time, if you have to figure out what you're supposed to do in real time, you have a very, very high probability of getting it wrong. Because you're always, you know, you're, you're going to be basically spitballing. And uh, and so as you try to get things uh, right, you know, you're going you're gonna to think about it and go, well, no, maybe that was a bad idea. Well, no, maybe, you know, until you, until you can prove out something that is a good idea. And this is, this is just how most people work this is how most people improve if you don't do that um if you're you know if if nobody's thought it through and now you're just starting to make it all up in real time you're going to have you're going to make some mistakes you're more prone to mistakes and that's not it's it's not a way to operate for anything and it's certainly not a way to operate a police force well we have we have people that we elect and it's i'm not blaming this on the current mayor he's only been there a few months People we elect that appear to have no skill set like that whatsoever. Their skill set is just getting money, people, and talking. And you know, and that's boy, oh boy. I, I when it comes to leadership, I mean, I don't, I don't, see, I don't see any of these people having any kind of background that would lead me to think that they can lead the free world and, and a president or be mayor. Well, and and look, some leadership skills are soft skills. Yeah, and some you never leadership know. skills are technical skills that you can't be an effective leader. You can't be an effective leader if you can't do risk assessment. You can't be an effective leader if you don't understand, you know, the difference between data information and knowledge and, uh, and, and, and figure out how to use all three um, and how to develop all three. You, th- those are, are easily learned. Well, not easily. They're, they're skills that are teachable and learnable that are part of being a leader and so it isn't all about you know having this grand vision and being able to talk about it. There's a whole bunch of ex, uh, you know uh, uh, 
execution skills that you have to have to do it effectively and uh, and so now you start to as you start to evaluate candidates are they capable this this is real similar to the conversation that you had yesterday with Dan Janinas and uh, and that you and I had on Wednesday when we were talking about you know Gartner's magic quadrant that a lot of it you know the 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 vision, the the direction you want to go is important, but the ability to execute is a big factor in how you evaluate. And we don't have people, we, we have people with visions, whether you like them or not, we have people that have a vision of what they think it's supposed to be, but do they have the ability to execute? And there are, you know, no. The answer is generally no. Well, Dan was talking about, and I don't know if people remember it, but he one of the firms he really, really likes, and he said the chairman was one of these guys that knew, just was very light on his feet, very open to suggestion, and now he's retiring, and how much difference, you know, you, you, on the one hand, I mean, I remember my mother used to tell me about people making all this money running places so they could make this big decision, and when, when the d- decision day came, they had nothing. You wonder if the market, let's say if the economy either slides into a recession or the rest of the economy slides into a recession like I believe because I think a lot of the economy already is in one um, these people that are making exorbitant amounts of money at these firms are they are they going to be worth their pay if all of a sudden you know your retail sales in some place Home Depot or whatever I'm not saying those guys are whoever it is all of a sudden is down 10% are they going to find a way to keep things going to lay the minimum amount of people off to maybe not be so concerned about their zillion dollar payday are, are we going to find that we actually appointed talent in these spots or not? You know, um, and you never really know if anybody's, you know, what, what they got in their, in, their, in their underpants until there's a crisis, right? I mean, male yeah, and that, that's, that's what I like about listening to Dan is he's, he, he does talk about, you know, the, the underlying value uh, of different companies, but he always talks about how good is the management team. Yep, and a lot and, of times it's one... A lot of times, it's it's one person who can put together a group of people that somehow they're all, how can I say this? Where's Blade it's, team, it's team building, Tom. It's team building. It's that's this that's another one of those leadership skills. Is how do you go about assembling a team and developing a team? Well, and again, I, we got a minute. Not ask, a lot of people can do that well. Can I ask you a maybe a two minute question? Because Carl, he's probably already on. He's probably listening. Maybe he'll have a comment, but. Uh, He's not on yet, but okay. if he comes on, he can. He's welcome to my, chime my in. My question to you is, and we, I was talking to Mike Mackey last night, good friend forever, real nice guy. He's an insurance stuff and brilliant dude. Uh, he was a big shot, big shot in the insurance area at Mesro, and he said first thing he said to me last night is, "I, he goes, time I, I, I think about Jim Tyree every day, and you know what? I don't do it every day, but I do it every week because Jim Tyree was one of the most incredible people I've ever met. He was the head of Mesro, but now he put together a team of people." Um, you know, and he wasn't a violent guy, a big guy. He was sick, for God's sake. He had diabetes. But he, uh, no matter, he, he, he was comfortable having every alpha male in the world in the room because he could control them. Knowing full well that if he ever wasn't there, they'd probably be, a fist fight would break out. But he was able to put together people like that of those enormous egos and control them. And the minute he was gone, I mean, Mike said to me, when he was gone the next day, you knew the place had a problem. You know, I mean, some people are able to have very strong-minded people around them and work as a team, and other people, they can't control them because they're, they're not the alpha male or alpha female or whatever you want to call it. 
and it there's an there's an amazing there's more to this just hiring smart people around me i mean that's that's you know that that's i think that that's you, part of it yeah but that's you're, only part of it the other part of it is you know can you put together complementary skills can you get them to mesh can you get them to work together um, and yeah, when you have a lot of strong personalities, that is going to require a certain amount of alpha that you know may have to knock heads. But also, it, but but it doesn't necessarily require that. It just you know everybody's got to know you know where their lane ends and the next one uh, the next one starts. You sort that out. You figure out how to you know how you're going to go about solving problems. There's there's a lot to that. Um, that uh, if everybody signs up for principles of management with Kevin O'Neill, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll get all of this or or principles of leadership. It doesn't matter, but there 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 are very specific skills and very specific behaviors that apply to all these different situations. And uh, I always tell people that leadership is something you do on purpose all the time. Well, but so you you, you, you have to know what these skill sets are. I mean, there's very few people who are just like the the natural born leader in fact i kind of think it's a it's a nonsense idea that you know that you could be a ringleader but you know you could be the natural born ringleader but that's not the same um there are very few people who i'd consider natural born leaders and there are lots of introverts there are lots of very you know quiet people there are people who are not alphas who are fantastic leaders in the world um, because they have the skills they've developed the skills um to uh, uh, to pull it off and to build teams and to make it work and teaming is so important um, and uh, uh, I mean we we see it in the sports world because it's so obvious there that's one of the things I like about uh, about sports is all of the concepts that you need to succeed elsewhere are out there for everybody to see when you're observing sports and so we talk about the Padres they got all the talent in the world somehow they can't pull it together and make a team out of it and yet you see other teams that are you know where you know the 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 whole is is much greater than the sum of the parts i think uh, how how does that happen it happens because of great leadership well last comment here and we'll we'll, then we'll find carl what uh i i think kevin there is a uh i read once that you know first idea in the middle of the room is the leader i mean which is can be good and bad but all all the the uh, committees that I chaired at the CBOE, and we're talking about traders, you know, so they're not, you know, I was in membership, which involved reading membership applications and learning all the different rules, all the different stuff, and I'd say, well, after I was chairman for a while, I kind of knew everybody was, but within three, four meetings, it was fairly obvious who the people were you would count on. There were some people who would say, you know, wait a minute, the door's going to hit my ass, hit me in the ass at quarter to four, got to get out of here. And there's other people say, whatever you need, I'll, st- I'll stay and take the tough one. And, uh, you know, and I'll work with Judy, who happened to be the development uh, membership development lady. And I'll work with Judy, and we'll work our way through it, we'll give you a report. There's people who immediately step up to do something when other people dodge it. And usually the person who is willing to step up and take the extra yard and learn a little bit more than the next person they may not think that they're becoming a leader, but they're well on their way. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And, but I'm 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 going to back go back and say, but what what is the skill then for the leader when you have the you know one is you you know you need to uh, you, you need to really nurture those people who uh, who are willing to step up and you count on them, but you can't dump on them 
because that's not fair. So do you have the skills to bring the others along? It's a slow, tedious process, but if you're going to be doing it for a while, you're either going to be firing them, you're either going to take the Trump approach, bring them on, give them all the responsibility, oh, they let me down, you, screw you, you're fired. Well, that's that's no way to run a uh, uh, to run any kind of business right. or or you know it's only it's only good for a reality show uh, because people like watching people others get fired but it, it's it, it's no way to run a business it's no way to run a government it's no way to do any of that and uh, so you know what you there, I mean there there is so much patience I tell people all the time you know. Uh, don't go into management for the money. You know, if if, oh, yeah. if if you're doing it so that you can get paid more, don't don't bother. It's never going to be worth it. There are too many headaches and too many challenges, and there are lots of good ways to make money without being in management. Well, so you, don't do it for that. Well, I lucked do, out but, so much because I had a the lady who ran it was so terrific, uh, Judy Deal. I hope she's still with us someplace. Uh, and she, she, we had our little our little game going where we would have the trick was. Every member reviewed had reviewed an application because you were reviewing something for another member. But she'd call me up and she'd go, "We got five tough ones this month. When are you coming up?" So I'd take a lunch. I'd go up there after a close, and I'd go through all five of them. And then we would portion them out to people because I wasn't supposed to do it; they were. But I never, I never let on when they were making their presentation that I'd already read it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I felt you had to. You could, if it was a tough one, I wasn't. I wasn't gonna make. Sure, I was gonna make sure somebody at least went through and saw the same things I did. They, a lot of times they they found stuff that I didn't, but I, mean, I, I think that's part of it, Kevin. You can't just say, "Well, I'll just see where this one lands." I mean, you have to be ahead of the game all the time, and which is really hard. Yeah. I can't imagine being, you know, I mean, uh, you look at the guy who was uh, head of British Secret Service during the war. I said the guy read everything. He read the equivalent of a Victorian novel a day. Well, I'm not in that class, and I don't. I think very few people are. But uh, compare that to some of the leaders we have. I don't think they read anything, and yet they think they got it all figured out. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Real fast story, and I know you got to get to Carl, and I, I really hate cutting into his time because I enjoy it as he much usually, as He usually pipes in if he's here anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, Carl, you're on. You can pipe in. But uh, Demetrius Jackson, if you remember him, uh, yeah. played guard for Notre Dame. And he followed up after Pat Connaughton and uh, Jaron Grant left. Um, and that that team was the one that took Kentucky to the brink in uh, in the regional finals, and was a really really good team. And Pat Connaughton is one of, was one of the all time great leaders I've observed in in college sports. And so along comes Demetrius, who's very much an introvert, and I always knew him to be a really really thoughtful guy. That if I would ask him a question after a game, he didn't just blast out an answer, a cliche answer. He you know pause, think about it for a little bit, and then give you an answer. He, you know really kind of deep and very intelligent guy um, but he was he had never been in that leadership role and then it just sort of was his turn the next season and it wasn't easy for him but I remember asking him about 10 games into the season I said Demetrius what what have you learned about being a leader that you didn't know when you when you first got to camp 
you know, the, the first day of practice. And this time he did not hesitate. He just said to me, it's really hard, man. <laughs> it's yeah. really hard. You have to be on all the time. You can never let down. You, uh, you know, he says, you got to know every guy. You got to know whether this one needs your arm, you know, put your arm around him, whether this one needs you to kick him in the butt. And, and he went on about this for a long time. But that is sort of the essence of it, though. That really explains what it's like. And, um, and and it's hard work and i yeah i don't think any of the people that we have in the public sphere are any good at it at all or hardly any of them anyway well if you if you if you're not the leader you expect the leader to be there all the time which means the leader has to be there all the time yep all right, all right so gotta, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ditch out on you um we got so many yeah, big questions for carl for nine o'clock meeting so uh you guys have a uh, have a great time we gotta let's just go straight to carl we don't need to hi hi chief how are you sp futures down 20 nasdaq futures the 112 Carl, how low are we going? We've got all kinds of questions. All week we've had questions. I've been waiting for my Carl fix. How is it that Evergrande goes damn near belly up in 2021 and today they declare bankruptcy? And we, is everybody looking at these guys because of the other guys? I mean, how does this stuff... Well, uh, Chief, uh, look at what just happened in Lahaina. Yeah. Okay. You, you just had a, I mean, you know, really bad fire, right? Yep. Okay. Um, you notice that there's... It's been plastered all over the media. There's one house that's still standing on the waterfront. Oh, I didn't see that. that do you know there. why? It's, do you know why it's there? No. What is it? Don't well, tell me because, it because because somebody got rid of the I want everything to be wood and beautiful and and uh, you know lattices around my porch. Put a metal roof on the place. Put non-combustible siding on it. Put a roughly three foot barrier of concrete around the outside of the structure so combustibles could not light the side of it on fire uh, appears they have a generator on the side because you know sometimes when there's a storm the power goes off and I'm willing to bet although you can't see it because the grass is not gone and scorched that uh, that generator powers a nice big fat pump and since they're on the water they have an unlimited water source could be yeah well, um, okay, so there's no way for fire to get inside the envelope. By the way, there's no ridge vent on top of the roof either. You can see that from the picture. Uh, so there's no way for fire, and, I, and I'm willing to bet that at the same time, they have screened all the soffit entrances appropriately, and all of the surrounds on that are metal. So fire cannot, you know, embers cannot get blown up inside the attic and set the house on fire from that way. Uh, there's no combustibles around the outside because there's a buffer. Uh, there are no trees in the immediate yard that can get lit on fire, fall on top of your roof, and penetrate the inside of the building. And then, of course, it catches on fire and burns. Uh, and you've got a high-volume way to keep water on everything, so any embers that do fly over, which I'm sure there were lots, uh, don't start, you know, don't burn everything. All right, so here we have one, one dude uh, who did this, because he believed the government was full of you-know-what. Yeah. The other word you can't say on... One of the words you can't say on radio. And uh, he did not believe that the government gave a wet blankety-blank about his well-being. And he's got a multi-million dollar house on the water, and he therefore put a little bit of effort into armoring it against bad things that could happen. What the... I... Well, well, wait. Well, now, hold on a minute. Here's, now, here's the thing. Now... Have you seen everybody out there whining about how Biden is not around and everybody else is not around? Da, 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 da. Okay, 
Wall Street Journal publishes an article yesterday that says that out of all the money that the power company spent, only like a quarter of a million dollars is all that they spent on fire mitigation. You know, going out and cutting down all of the grass around where their lines could come down. Cutting down trees that could fall on their lines in a windstorm and start fires by knocking the line down. Okay, which by the way, there is a video out there that that is exactly what happened. There's a guy that that actually got it on video when the tree came down on one of their lines and started a grass fire. The, the, The fire department shows up they supposedly put it out and they left. It wasn't actually out, and a couple hours later, it flashes up and burns all the way down the hillside, 60-mile-an-hour winds towards the town and incinerates the town. His house is still there, so is the next one down from him. All the rest of them got torched. And so we have, we also have active malfeasance in the government in that they supposedly put this thing out but didn't station any kind of a reflash watch and, and went off and did other things instead of hanging around to see whether is it really out well this is like one of the first things you learn when you make a campfire right oh yeah is you know you put water on it then you gotta you gotta stir it up and then you gotta check you know put your hand over the top is there any heat well if there's any heat it's not out well you can't do that when you've got this big brush fire so guess what you got to kind of hang around and have some extra water in case well it isn't really out well they didn't do that and um yeah here we are all right, and then you have the clown face who used to be their emergency coordinator. He resigned he yesterday. Just got, yeah, for, so I'm quit. Yeah, for health reasons. Yeah. yeah, was the health reason because the people in Hawaii are planning their next luau and he's going to be the pig that's stuck in the pit, or, you know, covered with sand on the beach? Yeah. I, you have to wonder, right? But no, no, we're not going to use the sirens because, you know, and by the way, the power's already off because um, the power lines came down, which means your cell phones don't work. And they're, they're so-called, uh, you know, we'll send a text to everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, we have this great technology. It only works when the electricity's on. What is, you know what? We, uh, didn't we just see the same sort of BS happen over the last three years? The government doesn't give a you know what about you. All they care about is money. How much? And is, how much? I, I, uh, the question I, I'm, I'm dying to ask you here. It's about it's about a four hour question. Is it seems to me? I mean, go back to uh, you know the city here with the internal flood. Uh, talking about right. you know the the thing down in uh, New Orleans where how many reports were they on the one dike that was no good? Well, not only that, they had they had pumps that were out of service, yeah. and they didn't bother fix them. Well, I mean, I mean, it's whoever you are, it's easy to blame Biden or Bush or Daly or whoever the hell happened to be in charge. But, but is this rampant incompetence? Is it lack of leadership for years? It doesn't make people. I mean, I, there's a very you know on a microcosm scale. Uh, Audrey lives on there's behind, way behind her. She's hired. There's this little creek. And it's kind of a wetlands, and somebody donates whatever that means. Somebody's name's on the thing. You know, it's it's Carl Denninger's donates to Orland Park, something, something, grasslands, wetlands, a nature habitat. Well, now it's 15 years later. All these inv- invasive tree species come in there. Nobody gives a rat's behind. Some of the neighbors go out and cut the stuff down. Well, now the brush is so thick out there, if you threw a match out there on the right day, I don't know, you'd probably burn down the whole city. Yeah, right. You can't get anybody to come out 
and, and even take a look at. I mean, is, is did these did these people leave money? I, I'm trying to. I guess what I'm asking. You, I've, never, I've been, never been to Hawaii. Is, is something like this? I, I know that in California you get fires. Chief, I know Chief, Chief, I was there 25 years ago, and there were gra- there were overgrown grasses. The area used to be plantations, okay, sugar okay. plantations and such. It was abandoned because it became non, no longer economical. Well, gee, when everything has to be shipped in and out by boat or plane, uh, you know, go figure, right? Someone else is cheaper. Okay. So they got over, that, that area got overgrown. A bunch of non-native grasses and such got going there that, that grow like bombs. Yeah, well, the same thing. 20, yeah. Okay. Right, right. 25 years ago, when I was there, I, I actually was in Lahaina, Stay at the Four Seasons Wailea, by the way, which is not in Lahaina. It's in the other part of the island, but it's absolutely it's palatial. And uh, <laughs> I saw brown, dry grasses up against the side of buildings. That's well. And I'm like, and and then I'm like, okay, where's the fire suppression equipment? And you know, I'm on the waterfront, right? Because you know, that's kind of why you go there is to get some seafood. And uh, in my case, I was also getting on a boat to go do some whale watching. And uh, wow. I'm looking around for, you know, where's where's the big gas-powered water pumps, right? Or diesel-powered, you know, nice nice fuel tank on the bottom, great big water pump. Why? Well, because there's obviously a fire risk here. This entire town is, is full of, you know, wooden structures, right? Yeah. And there's grasses up against the sides of some of the buildings in the perimeter. I'm like, this thing gets lit. The entire thing's gone. And, and well, how do you fix that? Well, you fix that with, you know, large flooding water. But you have an infinite water source. It's called an ocean. Okay. So there's no problem with having enough water. It's just how do you get it to where it needs to go? And that, obviously, electric electricity is a problem when it comes in on overhead lines, and it was then and still is now. And so I'm like, well, um, okay, can't be electrically powered besides fuel-driven uh, works as long as there's fuel. And, uh no. None to be seen. Well, how okay. I, I've seen, I've actually seen, a, a, we used to spend a lot of time down in uh, Michigan City, and if you drive down 12, you're right, going right through the National Seashore. Right. And then uh, they always have, like, you know, what the fire risk is. And every once in a while, I'd see guys doing a controlled burn. And it would yeah, be, they didn't do any of that out there. But they would do, I'll tell you what, Carl, I, you know, my hat's off to those dudes. I mean, it to try and burn one little piece of the forest and control the rest. I, I know you have to do it, but, I mean, these guys would have, they'd maybe have the size of a football field where the grass is, they're, they're burning it. They'd have 10 trucks out there just in Oh, case. yeah, just in case. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was, it was serious stuff. I mean, it, it wouldn't be something you'd say, hey, let's go out and burn a piece of the forest and hope. I mean, you really have to know what you're doing, and you have to have manpower. And it's, it's, well, they did, they did them down by me when I, when I lived in northwest Florida. And here was the other thing. We had a co-op for our power, okay, with Chelco, which was a cooperative. They were out there trimming trees every single spring, every year. They're out there. Anything that's within the fall line of some of their lines, they're taking it out. They're cutting it down. Why? Well, because there's this thing called a hurricane that tends yeah. to show up every now and then. And if you don't, what's going to happen is the hurricane's going to knock the tree down, and the tree is going to take down your power lines. And so, um, gee, so we're going to get out there with some saws, and we're going to do this before the storm comes, so that when the storm comes, which it eventually will, uh, it doesn't take out our power infrastructure. And, you know, we had, Ivan was, was a really nasty storm. 
Uh, we did lose power during it. We got it in the face for wasn't about eight Ivan, hours. Ivan was amazingly intense, but wasn't very wide. Is that, is that the Oh, no, thing? no. Ivan was a monster. It was okay. Dennis that was really intense. That, that, that was Dennis narrower. was the next year. That was a, it was a Cat 4. It went in Navarre in about, we were 35. But it wasn't very, it wasn't very wide. It was just very. No, we were like 35 miles away from it, and, and we got rained. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I was, and I was ready to get it in the face because it was so, you know, it was so monstrous. But, I mean, if you were, you know, if you were 10 miles off of it, you, you know, okay, it was no big deal. Uh, but, no, Ivan was a monster. It was huge. And it also did us the favor of coming in and then taking an immediate hard right turn so it, it like raked the coast and screwed a bunch of people, including us. Our power was off for almost exactly twelve hours, and and uh, I mean, that's how fast they got it back up. And the re- and even though it was a really bad storm, and the reason that they did it, well, that's why they did it, because they got out there and they, you know, they yeah they had to fix some stuff because some things got knocked down. Well, you know that happens. But why didn't it get, you know, why wasn't it more? Why, why didn't it take, you know, four weeks, five weeks? Well, because they didn't have a bunch of trees that took out their infrastructure. And, and the thing is, you know, here's a company that, that they know there's a fire risk. This is something that's been written up. It's been talked about. We, do, we just had, we had this thing a few years ago, you know, Paradise out, out in, um, in California, right? The entire town burns as a result of a wildfire that was started by, by equipment and PG&E out there in California, and and again, lack of maintenance. Oh, you know, gee, we got We got to be much more worried about you know green energy. Oh, yeah, green energy. Well, well, how much carbon did you release into the atmosphere by burning the entire oh, town they, they down? Just, they, just, they they put more more. Uh... Carbon in the atmosphere out there in, in, in two days, and uh, what all the cars in the world are? I mean, in that van. Yeah, you bet. So I mean, you know what? All this yelling, and you know what? The whole the problem is the whole thing is an uneconomic scam, and that's that's at the root of everything that's going on right now. You have the same thing going on in real estate, right? Every and you thought all these schmucks thought the common Joe thought they could arbitrage this and do it because they saw so many other people do it. And so, you know, when the when the virus comes, we're going to be work from home forever. We're going to have all the power, da-da-da-da-da-da. And so they, they sell their nice, tony, expensive place where they had an extra, you know, 50 grand a year they were making because they're living out in California. They moved to Tennessee. Ha-ha, we'll work from home. Guess what? Our cost of living here is a quarter of what it was in San Francisco. Screw you. We're going to pocket the, you know, $400,000 salary we're making, and, and we're going to live like kings. Then the company calls them and says, get your butt back in the office. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, and oh, by the way, that uh, 2.5% interest rate on your house, it's 7 now. Well, um, at least in San Francisco, the prices are down a little bit. Well, and, and you know, the th- but what it's done here is it's locked the market. I mean, you take a look at what's been sold in this county. I mean, it's basically nothing since, like, May. Yeah, unless you have a... An older person leaving, or or somebody like something like that. There's no other house available. I mean, Audrey has the same problem here. I mean, yeah. there's nothing available. Well, yeah. So I mean, you know, there it is. And so you know, now you've got a locked up market. Everybody that that has a, a sub three percent mortgage, you'd be out of your effing mind to sell that unless you have to. All right. The problem is that you know the asks haven't really come in at all. And what's going to end up happening is that some schlub is going to have to sell. And the first guy that does destroys then you the. Appra- well, well, no, then all. Well, then nothing else appraises. Well, right, 
Right. So it once the first guy sells, everybody else that has something somewhat comparable within two miles is screwed. It's 2007 all over again. I just hope it doesn't well, get there. Well, exactly. But you know what? The same thing's going on in other areas of the market. Take a look at all this nonsense with AI. Okay. You know, look at NVIDIA. Look at the, look at all these other companies. That, oh, we, we've, we're going to own the world. Okay. Well, Walmart's uh, trading 25 times earnings. It's a, it's a real... It's a real chief, chief, think about this. How much power and server resource do you need to run one of these large language model AI systems? you got to pay that bill every single month. Okay? Now, can you sell enough subscriptions to your AI system to pay for that and make a profit. There was In the 1990s, when I was running MCS, we had a couple of companies that were doing DSL lines into people's houses to give you a much faster connection than you could do on a dial-up modem. And this was back before the cable companies realized that they could use the two-way systems to sell uh, essentially pay-per-view movies which is why you have cable internet today because it, the numbers did not pencil out any other way then that's why they weren't doing it originally I, I did some of the work on it back in that time frame and, and you just the, the math just didn't work they weren't going to do then they figured out that they could use it to sell pay-per-view movies at seven bucks a piece and all of a sudden if it wasn't, the, it wasn't for pornography we wouldn't have cable well, I'm saying, you know, yeah, well, that too. But, I mean, you know, once you can sell pay-per-view movies for 7 bucks a piece, all of a sudden the math does pencil out, right? Yeah, or or cup <laughs> so, games or whatever. Right. So, I mean, you know, that's that's the thing. So that's, you know, that's how technology tends to work. Okay, but you had you had these companies, Rhythms and North Point were two of them. And they were all running around to the ISPs, my company included, pitching us on, you know, partner with us. We, we can bring the circuits into the customer's house. And, you know, they can get much better than they could get with a dial-up modem or with ISDN. And it's true. You can. The problem is I, I looked at their math and their numbers and what I could figure out publicly. And absolutely none of them, by the time they paid for all the equipment, the central office stuff, the leases on the lines and you know, the power and everything else, after they paid for all that stuff, there was no way at the price they were charging they could make a profit. It was impossible. And yet Wall Street keeps... Funding round after funding round, after, all of them are publicly traded. They're all skyrocketing. Everybody's going to get rich. We're all going to be. And I, I'm looking at this going: the more you sell, the more you lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm like, get out of here. And they're like, well, why? I said, well, well, this is kind of simple. When you go under, when you blow up, and you will, who is the customer going to call and blame for the fact that their circuit doesn't work anymore? They're going to call me. They're not going to call you because they bought the service from me. Okay, they're going to be up my butt wanting to know how they get what they had back. And the answer is, I can't restore what they had. They're going to have to go back to the older, much slower system. They're not going to like that. All right. And, and that kind of reputational damage could destroy my company. And so, um, no thank you. Well, I turned out to be right. Now, of course, a lot of people made a lot of money selling that stuff in the interim period. Oh, God, yeah. Right? But in the end, those firms all failed. Every one of them. Well, they, this is, this is my, uh, my wacky chief theme for the last few weeks. When, when you say they, they failed, for who? The chairman got his stock options at well, 2 Well, I'm sure he sold, got his money, yeah. Yeah, he sold, got his stock options at 2 sold his stock at 200 because he had to. They were going out of, they, they, there was a time limit on them. And he made ninety bazillion dollars, and oh, by the way, now it's zero. It didn't really fail for him. 
Well, yeah, but it but it did fail for all for all the employees. It failed for oh, yeah. all the all the common shareholders that that got zero. The people we might care about. That uh, yeah. Today. Well, it also failed for all the customers who had something and all of a sudden got forced off of it. Okay, and and frequently with little or no warning too, which is you know which is really bad. And then you have you have some of the really big companies that go around Lucent. Yeah, know, man, they were. They were the most widely held stack in the world for a long time. Do you, do you know what blew them up? They were they were vendor financing the switches that their customers were buying. Well, they were carrying the paper. And when the people that they had sold it to blew up, they got it back. They were one the of problem, the... Uh, the problem were, was it was worth 10 cents on the dollar at weren't that they, point. Boy, this was a long time ago. They were, I believe, and you probably know this, they were part of the Bell breakup. They were Western Electric. That's right. They were they were the equipment side of the Bell breakup. And yeah. for those that don't know Chicago history, out in Hawthorne, the Hawthorne plant, that's why Cicero and those places were the, the dens of iniquity they were. Uh, because I think the Hawthorne plant, my uncle worked there. He, he would, uh, when they sent out cable into the street, a lot of the cable was no good. And when it came back, he would split the cable and take the copper out on these big machines. And they'd, re, they'd reuse the copper that was in the cable, even though the cable was, you know, whatever, was messed up somehow. And he did that. I think there were, it wasn't seven days a week, but it was 24-6. Uh, I'm going to say every piece of equipment, telephone equipment in the world, or in the U.S., was made there. Phones, I think 30,000 people worked there, Carl. Oh yeah, no, I know. Gear, everything was the Hawthorne plant, and and they they became lucent, and they of course they they ended up doing stuff in all different parts of the country, and there were other people that made phones and became more competitive. But they were, for some reason, people hung on to that. Did it, did everybody get? I'm not so sure how that breakup went, but somehow or another, they became more widely held than say. Uh, Bell South and the other ones. I don't know why that was. Well, the, oh no, I do because the 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 baby bells the, that uh, you know that were the the local service side. What, what names uh, of them? It was Bell South was one, and it was Bell it was a Bell Atlantic. And well, uh, Meritech ended up as one of them. They were they were uh, Illinois, they were Illinois Bell and became a Meritech. Right, they became a Meritech. And and the, um, the the problem with those guys is that the investment world correctly saw them as a as, uh, you know where's the growth right I mean uh, how much how much can you do beyond uh, giving people a phone well there's only so much space there's only so many people um, so the growth is going to come from adding people um, a phone's a phone's a phone's a phone right and trying to shove rate increases through the you know through the uh, public utility commissions which, which you can they're do they're pretty good which they're pretty good at well but you know but you get pushback on that eventually yeah. right i mean there's only so much you can do you know you're not going to get you know 20% a year for the next 10 years no uh you know doing that right i mean that's not going to happen so and on the other hand if you're selling the switching equipment and here comes the internet oh boy but you know bob's your uncle and the world's your oyster yep and and so that was you know that was why the split ended up going away it was but yeah the, the thing is this kind of stuff everybody thinks that this kind of lunacy that we've seen throughout the economy with this kind of stuff is new it's not new nothing's new well people aren't new <laughs> it's no you, and, and yeah. you know what and and it, it's like i've tried to tell people for so many years Every morning, all of us who trade get up, and some percentage of us wake up with a Woody 
for some some stock or some fund or, or an index or whatever, right? And we mash the big green buy button. And and somebody else wakes up thinking that the, there's an asteroid coming that's going to destroy the Earth, and he hits a sell button. Okay. Yeah, and as long as that's what I was yeah. talking about the first hour of your list. Yeah, I was. And, yeah. and that's the thing. I mean, there's but there's that balance, right? And so you know that's that's what makes a market. If I think I'm the smartest guy in the world, I'm probably the dumbest guy in the world because I'm not. And and this is one of the things that I've I've tried to point out repeatedly when it comes to trade and trade balance and things like this too is that we we have this arrogance and it's not just in America it's I mean, it, this is a human trait you have this arrogance if you have a great idea you think you are the brightest person out there right and nobody else sees what you see well guess what there's an awful lot of really bright people in the world <laughs> well but a, a lot of what a lot of what happens we dash to break here for a second but. A lot of what happens, though, Kyle, if you, I'm, I'm sure that our people in the last three years thought they were geniuses by printing money. Okay, now, yeah. if, you, if you know anything about economic history, that's... You know the, where it ends. No, that's, right. where, that's where the geniuses were in 1968. We went off the gold standard to pay for Vietnam War by, by leaking money into the system. That's why the, the Romans figured out that if you really don't put a day's worth, pay worth of silver in the, whatever the hell the name of the coin was, and put half of that, and nobody will figure out for a while. But for a while. <laughs> but but I mean, this is this is not new. I mean, you you read a Greek tragedy play. It's like it's like you know, take the language forward. It's like a pe- people's marriage today. It's like a company today. People don't change. Chief, the guy, the 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 money changers at Habarabi's time figured out that they could issue more chits than they had Golden Fall. Yeah. I mean, and it, it works right up until too many people wanted it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, you wonder that. This is this is a great idea, and somebody goes, "Hey, somebody tried that six months ago; it didn't work." But you need you need some kind of a governor. How's that for a term? On your on your on your brain, either from somebody else or by yourself. Can't say, well, "Wait a minute, did I?" Well, I, the whole I, point the whole point of a representative government is we're supposed to you're, we're supposed to elect people who have some you know some of that, and are and we'll call BS on some of these scams. And instead, what we get is doubling down on more scams. Yeah, they become the hucksters, which is and it's yeah, and it's terrible. I mean, this thing that's going on with green energy is you know, I mean, you can trace what happened out there in, in Lahaina directly to that. They were far more interested you know, I, in putting their watched, money there than doing basic maintenance. My my view of uh, of Hawaii, unfortunately, uh, is Hawaii five zero, and you know, and some other stuff. I I never dreamed that it, it got dry enough for something like this to happen. I mean, oh no! That's a, the, the islands are like that because you have you have huge mountains. Okay, I mean that you can go up on the observatory where the observatory is on Maui, and and it'll be seventy five degrees down at you know down at sea level, right? And I mean Maui's not a very big island. Go up on top of that mountain. Literally, there could be ice warnings on that road. Okay, okay. I mean that's the and so the lift that you get any any kind of moisture that comes. Rains out on that side of the of the mountain, and then the backside gets the dry wind because the the air comes back down, and of course as temperature goes up, humidity goes down. So, and and it's very seasonal. Uh, and then what happened this particular time that drove the windstorm uh, is not unusual either. There was a hurricane that was was well offshore; it had no risk of hitting the islands. Uh, however, there was also a high pressure system to the north of that, and between those two things, you get a huge pressure gradient, 
and so you're getting 60 mile an hour winds but oh, the dry okay. there's no rain okay i mean i just i mean i never I mean, obviously realize in northern california and all these places that have rain one part of the year, everything grows and all of a sudden they don't get rain for four months you sort of expect it i I just never expected there because I've never been there. Anyway, SP oh, it happens. Uh, yeah, that's that's very common there. SP futures up twenty nine. Nasdaq futures up one thirty six. I'm sorry, down twenty nine. We're not <laughs> we're not in the rally anymore, are we? Down one thirty six. Uh, I let's think talk, that's red ink. Yeah. yeah, I think. Well, let's talk about this when we come back. Uh, are we uh, the buy the dippers are getting spanked every time they try and every trying they try and buy the dip? But yesterday, how many times did we try and rally about six, and all of a sudden we just pulled it out on the clubs yep. again. Be right back, stocks and jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Norfolk. Stocks and jocks. I'm Greg Pappas on the board. We have Carl Denninger with us. Uh, we got to go through these numbers, and they're not they're not they're not good numbers anywhere. SP futures now down. Uh, let's call it thirty. NASDAQ futures down 135. We were up a little bit last night. I thought maybe we'd get at least a minor bounce here, but not so far. Dow futures down 170. Over in Asia, this is a disaster over here. Nikkei down 175.5%, but Hang Seng down 375. That's a full 2%. Under 18,000, 17,950. So they're back in bear market territory. Shanghai down 31. It's a full 1%. Over in Europe, leaking over here, but not as bad. Uh, DAX down 164, that's a full 1%. FTSE down 75, 1%. CAC around down 78, 1%. So they're across the board, 1% over there. Yesterday we pulled the rug out again in the last hour. Dow Jones is down 290, S&P down 33, NASDAQ down 157. So some of the stocks everybody was you know going crazy on, and NVIDIA and the Microsoft and the Apple were all down uh, well over 10%, you know, from, more, from the highs, maybe 11 or 12 on some of them. Uh, bonds. Down about four basis points, 4.27. The Bund down seven basis points, six, 2.62. Japan down two basis points, 0.63. A lot of this really started to happen when this Japan rate started to go up. I'll get uh, Carl's opinion on that. I don't think it was a cause, but it was a kind of coincident. Well, down 43 cents now, under 80 bucks, 
96. Brent down 50 cents, 83.62. Natural gas down 7 cents, 254. As China continues to be the problem, the question, they're everything at this point. Arbob down 2%, uh, 2, 2 cents, sorry, 279. Gold with a, um, a minor rally up 370, 1918. Silver up 2 cents, 22.74. Everything's pretty much coming down here. Uh, copper down a penny, 367. That was the one highlight yesterday. The copper stocks were all up. Uh, we have Bitcoin down 1500 bucks, 26362 so they're not helping. They're down from 30000 in probably less than a week. And we have the uh, the dollar now is stronger across the board. It wasn't a little while ago, but now it is. Because the euro's down to 108.5, which has been 109 for a long time. Uh, pound not as bad, just a little under 127, but the euro's the one that uh, is sneaking uh, down here a little bit, the dollar being up, uh, which is surprising because gold isn't up higher, but it isn't. Uh, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports, Mr. Greg? Morning, everyone. 7.40 right now in Chicago, 63. High of 79 today and sunny. Uh, sunny today also in Phoenix, 108 high. Um, traffic, we got the Kennedy, Montrose to the interchange, 35 minutes. Edens, Lake Cook to the interchange, 50 minutes. Eisenhower, Wolf to the interchange is 24 minutes. Dan Ryan, Locals, um, 95th to the interchange is 20 minutes. Stevenson, 294, Dan Ryan is 21 minutes. And the Bishop Ford, I-80 to the interchange is 27 minutes. Sports, we got Diamondbacks um, beating the Padres 3-1 to in San Diego. Cubs were off yesterday night. They play today at Wrigley at 120. And the White Sox play in Colorado tonight at 740. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Um, yeah, the Cubbies have three day games in a row, right? Dingers. Yeah, that'd be right. Um, Carl, a b- bunch of stuff. Uh, can you give us a review every day before you before you get on any kind of national TV? You have to genuflect and say that the the labor market is uh, going spectacularly. Uh, well, of course. And I, I don't I I just wonder. There's I guess there's jobs available. I'm just wonder if there was a well there's a poverty line. If there was some kind of a line you have to have to live what I would consider normally in today's price world. I don't know where that line would be, but well, I want to well, say most of these jobs are under that line. Well, that's yeah, that's basically the problem, Chief, is that we have. So this this has been driven by the last twenty years. I mean, you, I mean, you can throw this at, at you know Herr Brandon all you want, but the truth of the matter is is that uh, Trump didn't do anything useful about it, and neither did any of the people in front of him, including Obama, and you know all the way back to Clinton at least. Um, we have a essentially open door policy that citizenship and the proper process to come through to get into the United States means nothing. And we have a lot of business people who really like that. They like indentured servitude, which is what it generates. The H one B system. You're talking about the higher the higher end guys, not the people crossing the border looking for a no, no, I'm talking about the people crossing the border, but I'm also, but here's here's the thing, I'm not talking about just the higher end guys. The H-1B system, which is supposed to be for those people that you need and you can't get in the United States, okay? Um, the structure of that program is such that it, just like using the discount window at the Federal Reserve, it is supposed to be at a penalty rate. Alright, in other words, it, you are supposed to have to pay above the U.S. market for a given skill set, 
and and that is because it's not supposed to be able to be used to displace Americans. Okay, that's that's the structure of the program. It's the it ends up being the opposite, though, right? Well, of course, it's the opposite because the companies cheat, they break the law, and nobody goes to jail for it. You have organizations. I mean, Disney is. And by the way, I'm picking on them only because it was so notorious and outrageous with what they did. They essentially fired an entire department of IT people, replaced them all with H-1Bs, and for in order for them to get a severance, forced them to train those H-1B replacements. That's cool. Okay. By the way, they weren't the only ones who did it. Southern California Edison did it. That's a public utility for crying out loud. All right. There's, I mean, the list is long and distinguished. You have firms that have arbitraged the labor laws. I know of a few of those, too, all right, where they have taken their call centers and essentially double abstracted them into contract houses so they don't actually run them. All right, so now they pay the contract houses. I don't know what their negotiation is and their rate is with them. Probably, you know, so much per hour of, of customer service that a agent gives, right? Um, or maybe it's a flat amount of money. I don't know. But the bottom line is that the person actually providing the customer service is a 1099 contractor. They have zero job protections as a result of that. They get no benefits, no plus, health insurance. Plus, no if, the guy, if the guy on the block wants to pay you more, you can't go down the block, right? Well, they got to pay half the. But the thing is, they got to pay. You know, of course, they have to pay both halves of their FICA too, and everything, right? Because they're 1099s. And and oh, by the way, they have they although they actually have set working conditions for the company. They're not officially working for the company. Yeah, it's They're unreal. For the contract. It's unreal. And, and you know what? This kind of st- if I tried to pull this kind of stuff as a small businessman, they would have been so far up my butt I could have oh, tasted it. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. You, I, you, I could have, yeah, I would have been tasting it every morning. And, you know, no way would I have gotten away with that. But all of these large Fortune 50 firms are doing it. Every last one of them, they're all getting away with it. And these, these are Americans, but they're working at, you know, $9 an hour. Okay, why? Because well, that's and, and oh, by the way, they have to pay. They have to triple net all their tax, their own taxes too, and their own health insurance and everything else. So, this, <laughs> I mean, this is the scheme that goes on. And then we say, oh, the job market is strong. Yeah, I know. It's oh, really? Is it? Well, you know, here's here's the reality of it. All right, you had a. I get it. During the pandemic, people thought they could arbitrage this stuff for themselves. They finally saw an opportunity to do to do for themselves what all these companies have been doing to them for the last 20 years. And they thought they could pull this, and this is why we have this dislocation in the housing market right now. But underneath all of this, the basic problem is this. If you've got a cost of living in a given area of X, and you've got to buy housing, you got to buy electricity. You got to buy heating fuel, whatever it is that you're using, whether it's you know heat pump or gas or whatever. You have to buy transportation, and and that you know I mean if you live in a city, maybe you don't need a car, but if if you don't, you do. So you need the car, you need the car insurance, you need da 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 da. All right, I go and I take a look trying to get. Uh, I I'd love to have a twenty five hundred series pickup. I look at what Chevy wants for a work truck. They want fifty grand. Yeah. All right, now. That's a $30,000 truck a few years ago. Not very many years ago either, right? Well, wait a um, minute. You, you can buy the three or four-year-old one for 30000 if you want, or forty. 
Yeah, and it's got 150,000 miles on oh, it, yeah, too. Right. Well, yeah, you can't, you can't look at that. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but but here's the thing is that, so, it, it, oh, by the way, what do you think that does to the cost of the insurance on the new vehicle? Because if you wreck it, um, well, uh, gee, that's not a $30,000 loss. It's a $50,000 loss. So, uh, you know, the same kind of thing happens with the homeowner's insurance. What is a, what is a, I'm not, I'm not, uh, maybe I should have been. I'm not a uh, farmer. I do like basic pickups. Can you even buy a basic work truck anywhere? With the oh yeah, oh no no no. You could. I, like I said, I would. I found a half dozen of them within you know within twenty miles of my house. Yeah, but you're also okay. in t- you're also in Tennessee. Try and find one here. Well, I yeah okay. We'll go to Iowa. I bet you can get one. But I mean, uh, the here the ones you see in the lot, if they're not eighty five. Oh, they're grand, all chartered. Yeah, yeah, they're all chartered up with all kinds of stuff, yeah. right? But I mean, we're talking about we're talking about a twenty five hundred series, so you know, three quarter ton pickup, right? No tarting up. This is uh, it's got vinyl seats. <laughs> really? <laughs> right? Well, I mean, the, the equipment level is still considerably higher than it used to be, you know, twenty five yeah. years ago. But still, we're talking vinyl seats here. All right. And you know, not even a bed liner in it, right? I mean, you—it's a work truck. So you if, if you're if it. you're younger, Carl, you don't even you don't you're you know you're not you're not that much younger. But if you're real young, you don't even know what vinyl seats are. Because well, I, I looked at it. This guy had a suburban for sale. It was like a 1994, right? And, and he and he says they they announced that it had leather seats. And I'm looking at the picture. I'm going, those are leather. They're vinyl. That's vinyl, <laughs> right? <laughs> he didn't even know what vinyl was. What were hey, real- you know what? My <laughs> first several my first several vehicles had that. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. You could, you could, they were easy to wash. Well, yeah, they you're clean, keeping them clean was not very hard. But uh, but you know, I mean, th- the thing is though that that's a fifty thousand dollar vehicle now. Yeah, and and that's crazy. It means that right? what percentage of the population right now, if the if the cars are that expensive, you think will ever own a new car? Well, yeah, I, I uh, gee, I I don't know. Well, you know what? This is part of part of why I think the the. What's going to happen in the economy and within the markets is going to be so bad is that you had a bunch of people that thought they'd play this arbitrage game when the virus came. And they got, you know, basically, go work from home if you didn't get laid off completely, yep. all right? But, but you know, if it's a white-collar job, you could work from home. Okay, you know, we all have Internet. We have Zoom now. You know, we're talking on it today. Fine. Go work from home. All right, so they did. They sold their place. They moved somewhere lower cost. They thought, ah, I'm a genius. And, it, and, and you know, let's say they cleared... 150 grand doing that, right? And it's a married couple, so there's no taxes on that transaction because they've had the house for long enough that they're, you know, that they're in the safe harbor. Oh man, this was this was not a bad deal. We're, we're making out like bandits. Our our taxes are lower, our insurance is lower, everything's lower. You know, everything's cheaper. I, I've got, yeah, gas is still expensive because you know, thank you very little after you know after Trump leaves office, but it's not as bad as it was in California. It was six bucks a gallon. Yeah. And you know, da 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 da. Fine, except they didn't bank the hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Well, you can't. You don't. You always find a way to play down a. Well, I'm just saying they spent it. All right. So you know who bought that seventy thousand dollar tarted up truck? That guy. (laughs) Maybe. Well, yeah. But here's. I mean, some of it. I mean, I think you and I have been on this page forever. That we always thought the work from home versus the office was going to land. I'm going to say both of us would have guessed. Two thirds, three quarters of the way. I mean, there were there were places that. I mean, Audrey works for home. She has she has her own real estate place. Right. She doesn't need an office to drive through the same stuff she. But she lives by herself. Her, you know, it's so. I mean, it, it is her office. You know, but the, but I, I want to say, economically, if somebody has been working from home, 
let's let's say for instance the traditional family is the guy makes more, but now today it could easily be the girl, the lady makes more. I mean, right. But say at, at one point, it you you get to probably you were able to cut back on the uh, what do you call it childcare. Let's say two days a week. Maybe your sister, your mother, come over help out, but you could cut back on that a little bit. You didn't need the same outfit. I mean, you know, I don't have to wear a suit. I mean, I mean nobody wears a suit anymore unless you're a lawyer. Uh, right. You know, maybe when the when the old junky car. The, the, if you had two cars, one of them gets old, you either don't repair it or you get rid of it or something. And 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 by the way, all your expenses in that house, electric, the insurance, everything is going up. So all of a sudden the person says, come back to work. Well, I'm going to say yes. You and I will say half of it is you don't want to get off your fanny and get down to work. You get out of the habit of doing it. You, you, you're, you, know, you get lazy, for lack of a better term. But I'm going to say that's only a small part of it, Carl, because a lot of people in my neighborhood that work from home, a lot of the ladies, I don't see too many of the guys doing it, will will walk somebody's dog for 20 bucks. Or so, There's a side hustle oh, somewhere yeah. during yeah, the day. Yeah. So between the little extra income maybe you're picking up and the two or three days of child care and, the, and the, the outfits and the train ticket, and oh, by the way, what if that person actually has to go out and buy a car to go back to work? Good Lord. I mean, you're talking about, it's not like the, the, the guy saying, come back to work, by the way, here's a 20% raise to cover it for you. I'll bet the cost of being at work, coming back and forth, has got to be up thirty-five percent in the last three years. Oh, oh, chief, it's you know, look, when I, <laughs> when when I was a wage slave before I ran my own shop, okay, the job, the job description included being in a suit every day. Yeah, I I was expected to wear business clothes. Well, that's a suit. Yep. Okay, for a man. All right. All right. So I'd have a a suit and tie, and and not one either. Well, yeah. All right. So, uh, oh, good God. You know, I mean, even back in those days, you know, all right, well, uh, a reasonably reasonable stuff that isn't going to fall apart in, you know, three weeks. Uh, if you're going to wear it every day, you better pay for it because otherwise you're going to buy it twice. So, I mean, right there, it's easily six, seven hundred dollars. All right. Now, if you want something that's actually nice, it costs even more than that. But, but I mean, something that you can actually wear. You know, two or three of them that you can actually rotate through, and you know, not have the same one on every single day. Yeah, and then you know, and then the dress shirts and everything else. So I mean, this is you know, this is not cheap, and and you know, the transport costs, parking, and all this other nonsense that goes on. You know, that goes into this. Um, or if you're taking public transportation, the cost of the you know the tokens for the L, and whatever have you. And um, yeah, I mean it's it's not, and then on top of that, well, uh, you know, you're going to go out for lunch or whatever. But uh, what I think people are leaving un- unappreciated here is that over the space of about a hundred years, this didn't happen in you know in five. Right. Cities have built a fundamental tax and operating cost base out of their downtown areas. That's, you know, I mean, <laughs> think about what the property tax. Well, but it also, like, it also is. Well, come I mean, on, chief. Look at Prudential Plaza. Tell me, right. What do you think that their ta- their property tax bill? But is, you okay? can get the the beauty of it. And my stepfather explained this to me years and years ago. Uh, the the beauty of it is that you could get, when most of your assistants in those days were ladies, uh, and not all, uh, but even your 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 regular accounting people, those kinds of things, the people he hired. He said, my people can get to work. For like a dollar a day and the CTA. In a yeah, reason, but not anymore. Not anymore. But he said, but I can get, I can pay people 
35 grand a year and get somebody spectacular because their cost of getting here is zero. Right. You know, right. they don't have to have a but, car. I mean, they don't have to have insurance, I mean, all that stuff. Hey, we've, but not we have, anymore. Hey, we got five minutes. We have to talk. What What is your assessment of this China situation? I, can, I cannot, with Carl, or no, with uh, Carl, sorry, with Dan and everybody, we cannot seem to get our finger on who's up their eyeballs in this Chinese debt and stuff, or if they've covered it, or if they've seen it coming. I mean, I saw that's, something. That's, that, that's not the problem, Chief. It's that it's that the Chinese government is in a box because they've done the same sort of thing we've done. They've printed money like crazy to cover this thing. Evergrande should have blown up two years ago, as you noted. Yep. Okay. They defaulted for crying out loud, and and yet here we are now. All of a sudden, it's news. All right. Well, that's because the Chinese government has pulled the same kind of BS that our government has pulled over the last you know twenty years, and every time that somebody sneezes. Oh, yo, have a hanky. Yep. Well, guess what? The have a hanky game is now showing up in consumer prices over there, which is a huge problem for them, just like it is over here in the United States. They have just, again, decided to tamper with the rate structure. Just saw that a couple of days yeah, ago. Yeah, they, they lowered it, which is kind of crazy. Everybody else is raising theirs. Well, that's right, but that's going to drive their in another inflationary impulse, which is a huge problem for them because they're up against the wall like we are. I think we're looking at a very serious problem all the way across the economy, and and uh, you know is this is this over in the next you know two weeks or whatever it's one other one and then back off to the races. I wouldn't bet on that. I would bet that we are looking at more like the kind of situation that came up when the the housing crash got triggered over here in the United States. And I'm going to point out that the dislocation just in housing alone. You look at the Fred. National Housing Index across the the 205 to 07 when it topped off, that was a 14 percent change on a national basis. Now, of course, a lot of you know a lot of areas went crazy much more than that, including where I lived at the time. The difference today is it's 40 percent. Yeah, it's higher. It's way, way. All right, it's three times. So anybody that thinks that we're not going to get it up the pooper on this. I do oh the difference. The difference between that I, I actually did point out in two thousand seven and eight to on total. Of course, listen to me. What's well, what's the point of that? We're going to change the economy, but the, the spread between uh, the mean average worker's ability to pay for the then current price of the home in two thousand seven two thousand eight I thought was astronomical. It's got to be twice as bad now. It is, and, and the problem the problem today. I mean, you look at you know our our median income in this area in this area in Knoxville, median family income is just over sixty thousand. It's it's under seventy grand, it's like yeah. sixty four thousand or something like that. All right, you fu- you go take a look. Go on to realtor.com, Take a look at what you can buy for two hundred grand, which is the you know where you ought to be with that right. median income. Right, they're all crack shacks. Yeah, they're all. all right. Not to mention the insurance and the. Uh... And the uh, well, the insurance and the property taxes here are not nearly as bad as in some places, but but still, they're crack shacks. All right, so and that's the median. All right, there is no way that this does not unwind, and a big part of what's driven this policy is our immigration policy. You cannot bring low wage replacement workers into an economy and have high housing and operating costs for a household and not have a crisis. We've been doing it for 20 years, and the check is now on the table. We're going to have to pay that bill, and we're not going to like it. And the only realistic fix is to get those people out of the economy, and that means forcing them to leave. 
Well, Chicago area is totally different. We're losing people right to left. We could use some people. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? But you can't with the cost. See, the problem is you can't fix the cost structure without well, taking no, the cost structure is pretty. I don't know how you. We're never. We're never. We're never going to be able to grow into this. This, this current price no. Level. But think yeah. think about this. Demand. Everyone says supply and demand. There's no supply of housing. Okay. There's de- there's lots of demand. That's true. But demand only is real if the ability to pay is there. Well, that's right. I mean, the, All right, and the problem is, yeah, there's a lot of demand, but nobody can well, Carol, pay. You know, you know better than anybody. You can't even use the words they use on on business shows because when they say the demand, the demand is a curve. It's not a number. Well, that's right. But the thing yeah. is, is that uh, yeah. demand is not real. Look, if I could, I can demand a Porsche, but if I don't have one hundred twenty thousand dollars, right. it's irrelevant. That's exactly right. Hey, uh, um, might have to have you on earlier next week. Uh, might have maybe uh, we have to switch around because uh, a little bit. So I'll I'll, I'll talk at you. But good All stuff, right. buddy. Uh, what's the weather like down there? We have a beautiful day today here, and now then it's going to get like nineties over the weekend. Oh, it's freaking gorgeous. We've had a, yesterday was beautiful. Today's beautiful. Seventy two point eight degrees on my front porch right now. Well, that's where we are here, and uh, no no AC, nothing the last few days. But now this weekend, ninety three. Yeah, it's, it's going to get hot again next week. But you know, it's it's summer. What, do you, what do you expect? All right, bud. Take care of yourself. SP futures. Hey, we come back some. Thank God. Only down twenty four. Nasdaq's only down one twenty two. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a little bounce today. Doesn't look like it, but we might. Back on Monday, stocks and jacks. See your future. Be your future. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.